Thank you. I appreciate it. Let's pray. Father, we look to you this evening. And Father, I pray that, that what would come forth is, is a move of your Holy Spirit. It would come something that these students would not forget. But Father, that you would touch them this evening with the power of the Holy Spirit. That you would work on their lives. And Lord, that you would prepare them for the future through this. And Lord, we offer this to you in the name of our blessed Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I want to tell you something to prepare you for the university. I've spent over half of my life in universities. I've never left the university, and, and uh, I don't know what life would be without a university, actually. Uh, in many ways, it's, it's probably going to be the most delightful time of your lives. I looked through the bulletin, and I saw that... Uh, that almost all of you have decided to go to universities, and I think that's a great thing. I think it's really a great thing. And whatever the Lord calls you to, it can always be complemented by a university experience. Let me talk about four things that I've seen in the lives of students. I've seen these things in students who come to the university, things that encourage them and things that bind them up. And I want to really touch you with these things and cause you to think about them. As I see students come to the university, I see several types. I see students that never knew the Lord. Students that never came from a Christian home. I see students then that also came from Christian homes, but still don't know the Lord. I see students that come from Christian homes and really love God. And I see students that have come from homes that don't know God, but they themselves really love God. What I encourage you to do is to do what Paul said. You know, very often I, I meet students who wonder, are they really saved? They wonder about their salvation. And some people get offended when they're probed about the authenticity of their salvation. I have found that the people who get most sensitive about being asked, do they really believe in Jesus Christ? Are generally the people that don't know Jesus Christ. Because if you know the Lord, you're not afraid to make a defense for the hope that dwells within you. That's where we're supposed to be. In fact, I've made it this semester a treat for myself to invite one faculty professor from, the, from Rice University to the faculty club each week for lunch. And as I sit with this professor, the first question I ask is, I just want to know where you're at. What do you believe about the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ. I ask that because I know exactly where they're at by the answer. And generally, it's very easy for people to say, well, yeah, he may have risen spiritually from the dead, but the physical resurrection is the basis behind our faith. And that is something we must hold on to. Paul says in in, in, in uh, in, 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 in 2 Corinthians that we are to test our faith. In fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, it says, Test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves. Or do you not recognize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail the test? In other words, we're to our, examine ourselves. You know, when, when the disciple John wrote John's Gospel. He said, I write these things that you may believe. Well, when he wrote 
First John, he says, I write these things that you may know that you are in Him. I encourage you to take the First John test. Go through First John and find out. Find out. Ask the Lord. Say, Lord, speak to me through this book. And read these and say, Lord, is this quality in my life? Is this quality? And if it's not, say, Lord, put it there. Lord, put it there. Because just before you lies a time when you're going to make key decisions in your life that will affect your family to be, that will affect your children to be, and they will be, those decisions will be who your spouse will be, what your career will be, and you generally will make those decisions between the ages of 18 and 21 while in a university. And if those decisions are not founded in Jesus Christ, I think you're probably going to have a very rough life. And I know that because I've seen it. And if those decisions are founded upon Jesus Christ, you are going to have a blessed life. I know it because I've seen it. I encourage you to seek the Lord. Read through 1 John and say, Lord, is this quality known in my life? For example, in 1 John 5 it says, By this we know we love the children of God when we love God and observe His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. That's interesting. He says, we know we love God when we keep His commandments. In other words, when we read the Word of God, does it touch our hearts? You know, I had a, I had a discourse with a, a professor on campus recently, and uh, and because I'm a Messianic Jew, that means a person who was born and raised a Jew but believes that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. And he said, because I was a Jew, I had to live under the law of Moses, the so-called 613 laws. And so I made a defense for grace over law. And did you know that in the New Testament, we are held to a much higher standard than the Old Testament saints? Jesus never said, if you love me, keep my law. He said, if you love me, Keep my commandments. There are over 150 New Testament commandments. And they're much stricter. You don't have to commit adultery to be an adulterer. Jesus said, if you lust after a woman in your heart, you have committed adultery already. You don't have to murder a man to be a murderer. John says that if you just hate your brother, you have committed murder. You don't have to bow down to an idol to be an idolater. It says that if you covet, that means if you desire somebody else's car or somebody else's looks, you're an idolater. Christ calls us to obey his commandments. If we don't obey and it doesn't touch our hearts and move us to repentance, we have to say, Lord, where am I? And fall on your knees and say, God, work in my life. Do a work in my life. I know these things are true because I've seen it. I want to encourage you. You know, we've heard a lot probably about spiritual warfare. You know, the scriptures are very clear on how to do battle, which you will do quite often on college campuses. This is what Paul told Timothy on how to engage in spiritual warfare. He says, This commandment I entrust to you, Timothy, my son, 
in accordance with the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may fight the good fight, keeping faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and suffered shipwreck in regard to their faith. He says there's two things. There's faith and a good conscience. Do you really believe God? Do you really believe that His Word is true? Every time I speak for the Lord, I never have regretted it. Every time I have kept my mouth shut, I have always regretted it. When we speak for the Lord, great things happen. I, was, I met probably, arguably, the richest man in Houston just recently. He was interested in the company that we've started. Somebody said I should mention the type of research I do. I'm a chemist. I'm an organic chemist working in the area of nanotechnology. That means working in very small things. For example, we're building a molecular computer where each switching device is a single molecule. And in fact, there are more molecules of water in one drop of water than there are, in, than there are transistors in the entire world combined. So if we can just tap into the power of each molecule, we'll have a bang-up of a computer. So he, he wanted to invest in this company. And I told him, we don't need any more investing. We're fully vested. He says, oh, come on. He said, no, we don't need it. So four times his staff contacted me. Finally, I said, I'll go over his house. We talked for two and a half hours, and I hit him with the question. What do you believe about the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ? We talked for over another hour. It opens doors. Because it touches the heart of men. Because that is the foundation of our faith. If you don't believe in the physical resurrection of Christ, you probably don't believe. You have to say, Lord, work on my heart. We have to fight the good fight. You know, Hebrews 11, this chapter that the Lord has given us on these men of faith. I have this picture of Noah in my office with this huge ark in the background. Over a hundred years that man worked on that ark. And his family stood with him. You know, faith is contagious. Somehow his faith was so great to keep him building for a hundred years. It's easy to have faith for a day. How about faith for a week? That gets harder. How about faith for over a hundred years? He had faith for over a hundred years. And his kids and his wife and his daughter-in-laws stood with him. Imagine that. I mean, what about when they were teenagers? Dad, what are we doing building this ship? There's no, there's no rain. There's nothing. The faith that you parents have will be contagious toward your children. If you've demonstrated faith, they will have great faith. If you haven't, they probably won't. And you better pray that they receive it. He says that we are to have faith. You know, it's interesting. The life of Moses. It says in Hebrews 11.23, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents, because they saw he was a beautiful child, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Moses' parents' faith touched him. By the faith of Moses, by faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. I'll tell you, if you speak up on campuses about Jesus Christ, your faith will become much stronger. Watchman Nee says, if you don't speak up, if you don't speak up, you'll never be held accountable for your actions. But once you testify of Jesus Christ, everybody will hold you accountable. 
And I'll tell you, you speak up about Jesus Christ and it's a great thing. Because then people will look to you. Or doors will open before you if you have a vocal testimony of Jesus Christ. His parents had faith. He had faith. And it says he had so much faith, he wasn't afraid to be counted with the children of God. He could have lived in Pharaoh's house and just said he's Pharaoh's grandson. But he didn't do that. You speak up your faith on a college campus. Jesus said, He who loves me better be where I am. You know, we talk about loving, loving Jesus. Look what he says. He who loves his life loses it. And he who hates his life in this world shall keep it to life eternal. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall my servant also be. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. That's interesting. If we serve Christ, did you know the Father will honor us? I'll tell you, I want that blessing. If we keep our mouths shut on a college campus, you're not going to have so much honoring from the Father. I know it because I've seen it. And if you're not moving on with the Lord, you're moving back. He says, he who honors me, my Father will honor. And then Jesus said, now my soul has become troubled, but what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I came to this hour. Father, glorify thy name. And he says, my soul has become troubled. You know, I'm not looking forward to getting, you know, some nails slammed through my hands and my legs. But he says, I came for this. And if you don't speak up in college, you probably never will. If you think, well, when I'm out of college, then I'll speak up about the Lord. You probably never will. The foundation that you lay at this point in your life will define what you will be like for the rest of your life. Probably. There's certain areas of faithfulness that we have to embark in. Faithfulness to a local church. Faithfulness to ministries on campuses. I mean, there are every campus I've ever been on. you got at least one campus ministry that's really on fire for the Lord. Whether, whether it be a Baptist student ministry, Campus Crusade for Christ, Navigators Campus Ministry, uh, uh, InterVarsity. These are great groups. But don't forget also the local church. This happens a lot, even to pastor's children. They think, well, I'm a member of a church back home. My dad's a pastor. When I go home, I go. No way. Scripture says, Moses was faithful in all of God's household. If you're faithful to the Lord, he will be faithful to you. If you testify of him, you will be blessed. Because those who honor him will be honored. He sets before you this day a blessing and a curse. If you honor him, you will be honored. If you speak for him, you will go far. I have seen this. I've seen this in my own life. When I was assistant professor, all throughout my college days and all throughout my postdoctoral days, all throughout my professorial days, I break at noontime and I go to the chapel and get on my knees and pray. You don't think people ask about that? What are you doing? Why do you do that? Because I love God and I believe that He has called us to pray. You stand for the Lord, you will be blessed. And the pattern that you take on this day, as you go on in your life, will be the pattern that will follow with you. 
will be the very pattern that your children have. They will follow that pattern that you display before them. May you remain faithful to Him. May you meditate upon His Word. In Psalm 119, verse 97, it says, Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Thy commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever mine. I have more insight than all my teachers, for thy testimonies are my meditation. And I know more than the aged, because I have observed thy precepts. You will know more than all those who have taught you, if you meditate on the Word of God and make His commandments your delight. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for these students. I know that you intend good for their lives. There's many precious ones here. And Father, I pray that you would stir their hearts to give an open testimony of Jesus Christ on the campuses that they'll be going. Not to be ashamed of the gospel. And Lord, may they experience the truth of what Jesus said. Where I am, there shall my servant also be. And he who honors me, the Father will honor him. And Father, for those that don't know you, that are even coming out of this, this school after many years and still don't know you, Father, I pray that you draw them to your Son. That the challenges of life that you put before them will cause them to cry out to the truth they know that is there. Thank you, Lord, for the truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray for the parents that are here, for those that may have felt that their, their lives have been inadequate in teaching their children your ways. Father, I pray that this day you will work in their hearts to stir them any way you have, whether it be in repentance, asking forgiveness from their children, or seeking you more strongly. Father, for those that have given up their lives to work in their children's lives, Father, bless them. Bless them richly for all that they have poured out of their life and of their devotion for their children who are graduating. And Father, I pray for the faculty of Second Baptist School. Father, I pray that you bless them and draw them closer to your Son. And may your work and your power continue to flow in their lives and keep them close to you. We ask your blessings in Jesus' name. Amen.